0: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post
1: office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
2: The Mets have a toxic clubhouse, and Pete Alonso is part of that. They're not getting rid of Lindor, nor should they. I mean, Lindor's the guy, he's been here For you know a few years, he's learned from the failures of year one, and he's got the huge contract. He's not going anywhere. We know the talent on this team. We know the talent that they had. Why did they fail so miserably? It's because you have a bunch of selfish individuals not playing as a team. And unfortunately, Alonzo is part of that. He's part of this core. So, yes, he produces. Yes, he hits a ton of home runs. Big part of it. Homegrown, all that stuff. But ultimately, the Mets are going to have to make a decision here because if they want to get to where they want to be, the core of this team, the culture, it needs to change. So um, these two guys basically came here and they felt the toxicity of the fan base when things go bad. Uh, yeah, but all mostly right, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I know. And, and, and both of them basically said that it would have liked to have been better in better spots. And, you know, it was all of us and whatever. But. The point being is that there is a toxicity that is ingrained into us as fans around here, whether we're Nick fans, Ranger fans, Islander fans, Devil fans, you know, whatever yeah. we are. Yep. Uh, we have like this, this pessimistic view on things. And when things start to turn, then all of a sudden it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And I, you know, that's what happened with the Mets. That's the toxicity that I was talking about. And I'm sure when Justin Prohander went back to Houston, he was like, thank God. Of course, yeah, I'm back and There's like a conquering hero going back there. And Scherzer is for the the Rangers. You know, he's like the the new thing that the Rangers did and they needed and next year they'll have hopefully they'll have DeGrom back and they'll have Scherzer in that in that uh, rotation. And they might win a World Series this year they without this DeGrom, year. which is really interesting. So, but you just I just hope that, that toxicity that does surround all these teams around here because of the losing. You have to be a special person To deal with that and to overcome that, Um, I would like to think that Daniel Jones has been through it and he's he's overcome it because of the coach that they finally brought in that got the best out of him. I'd like to think that Aaron Rodgers is above all of that because there was probably some toxicity around him because of all the machinations that were going on up in Green Bay over the last three to four years and all the differences of opinions that he may have had with the front office. Hopefully, he'll be able to handle all of that if it turns sideways. If they get off to a 1-3 start. It'll be a mess. All of this of stuff course. that we feel right now, Yeah, it's going to go but they're right not. out the they're way. They're going to be 4-0 at first and You know quarter. why I say that? I know firsthand.
1: It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, August the 13th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram. Talking Mets No G, and I want to welcome in the good folks from the Fan sided Podcasting Network, as well as RisingApple.com. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. When I told you guys last week there are times when it, your team is out of the pennant race, that you have those moments when you could not feel further away from a championship or from credible, meaningful baseball. Yesterday at City Field, that doubleheader, those are one of those moments. I mean... Those are rough games. I mean anybody who anybody who went to those games and wants to send me an email, Mike Silvatt, talk about no G, let me know how it was, because that's rough. I mean, you could you could go and get the food and still have a good time, but from a baseball perspective, that's rough. What is it? Uh 34 to 3? Was it uh, no, 21 to 3 and you know, 27 to 3 in a doubleheader? It doesn't get much worse than that. Look, doesn't matter if it's twenty-seven to three or double one-nothing shutouts, a loss is a loss. And the Mets are in a position where the roster today is not the roster tomorrow. So away we go. Now, it as I said, not easy to do shows when the team is out of the pennant race, but this is New York. This is the Talkie Mets podcast. The Mets may be bad. We're not going to be bad. We're not tanking for a number six pick. We're not, you know, putting the tents down and waiting until the offseason. We're going to do the best we can do here. But a lot to talk about. We're going to get in, and you heard the comments on the way in. Sal Licata, Boomer Sison, WFAN. I know I criticized them, but I think the topic is important. Toxic Clubhouse, Toxic fan base. We'll get into that. Uh, Brett Beatty was sent down. You know, something that I thought about talking about before this week. I wanted to get into it last week, but we had other things to talk about. Right move. Will we see him again? Hmm. I got to tell you. Brett Beatty's got a lot to prove. And there was some very disturbing comments in a New York Post article. We'll get into that. And then there was non-Mets related news. We'll round up the show with that. The Orioles suspending their broadcaster for stating the facts. What kind of media world are we in? We're in the 2023 media world. And I'm going to give you on the way out some of my thoughts because although it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard and seen, I think you're going to start to see media for teams shift in a way that you're not going to like. But in a lot of ways, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because of the behavior and the product and a lot of things we talk about here on the front, hand, front end of the Talkie Mets podcast. So, okay, let's start out. Do the Mets have a toxic clubhouse? You heard Salicata. This created a big stir. You know, Brandon Tierney at WFAN jumps in. And then you heard, I had a clip about Boomer and talking about toxic fan bases, which Boomer, a former New York athlete, would know a thing or two about that. And, you know, this is coming on the heels of our show last week the baseball malaise. And are we headed to with the Mets and the Yankees this early 1990s redux where baseball takes a big backseat and we focus on hockey and football and the NBA? You know, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that. But I'll start off by saying this. And I warned everybody about this when the deadline came and things were starting to get ripped apart that it was going to be really hard at least through the rest of the regular season and into the postseason when the Mets are not in it, to be a Mets fan. The media was going to use it as a pulpit to really bash on this club. And I'll tell you the truth, it's actually not as bad as it was in other seasons where the Mets were closer to the playoffs under Wilpon ownership, because I think in the back of the head of many of these members of the media, they know the owner spends money and they're going to be careful about how far they go. But, I mean, when I wake up this morning and... There's an article in in a major publication interviewing the fans who are basically going to the game with a paper bag on their head. Well, you know, that kind of tells you where we're at. I mean, that's not, for me personally, that's not analysis I'm interested in. And I know what you guys were saying. I saw the comments on Twitter. Well, Mike, you know, now everybody's like you that wants to look into the farm system and wants to look into this thing deeper. And you're right. You're 100% right. But I am disappointed that our mainstream media outlets are sounding more and more like the old school WFN callers. They, you know, the 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 whole relationship has switched where I feel like the mainstream media outlets are the children in the room and the adults are people like me and others that do what we're doing here. So that's just my commentary. Maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe I'm wrong. But when you hear a WFN host who has not spent any time in the clubhouse, granted he works for SMY, talk about a toxic clubhouse and basically connecting, trading Pete Alonzo to that, which I, I didn't hear. the All I have is the clip that you guys heard. I didn't hear the whole context of the conversation, but that's what WFAM put out there. So that's what they wanted you to hear. I don't exactly know how, and I'll start there, that a first baseman driving in runs, hitting home runs, playing as good a defense as he possibly can is toxic to any organization because I'll tell you what maybe they trade Pete Alonso I did a show about that there's an actual argument to be made about trading Pete Alonso you know maybe the Mets have a Herschel Walker type and anybody who's I'm dating myself by by saying that a Herschel Walker type haul that they can get for Alonso with some pitching maybe you know you got to consider it but there are 29 other teams that Would probably consider Pete Alonso in some way, shape, or form, including the team across town, who would love to have Pete Alonso at first base over Anthony Rizzo. And they'll take all whatever the toxicity that Alonso is. You know, and look, I get it. Alonso's a bit of a goofball. Sometimes he comes across frat boyish, you know, the home run derby. You know, he enjoys being Pete Alonso. He enjoys the perks of the trade, he enjoys the camera. But nobody could ever say a guy like that, that's worked hard, has worked to improve himself. uh, You know, maybe he's taken a step back offensively. Is that selfishness or toxicity? No. You know, I think what you heard, and I think the real issue that's coming to a head is something that we've talked about on this show and we've talked about for years and I've been criticized for it and people laugh at it. And, you know, I, I I hate to say that I'm going to repeat it again, but I am. But when we, when we did a poll, 50% 50% of you basically said I was right. The other 50% said either they were not sure or I was dead wrong. But that playing in this town is hard. Playing for the New York Mets is maybe harder than any other team. Maybe the only the Jets, it might be harder. And there is a yoke around the neck of every one of these guys that put that uniform on and you have no idea how they're going to respond to it. And A lot of times, their performance is the pressure that inherently comes with being part of this very difficult task of making the New York Mets a championship team. You heard in the second part of that clip, it was almost interesting that the same station that is trying to boost their ratings, trying to get forward with a new lineup of individuals, gave you two separate clips. One talking about the toxic clubhouse... And the other one talking about the toxic fan base where the first clip was stoking the flames of a fan base to make them toxic. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the guy talking about a toxic fan base is a guy that knows it because he was on the other side of it. And he does his own little part in that talk radio world. But you got to give Boomer Esiason credit. The guy knows. He was an elite quarterback for a while. Came here and didn't work out. Not going to get into Jets talk here. Not qualified to do it. Not going to do it. But for everybody to fall for the bait or even debate toxic versus non-toxic, does Lakata know is Lacada in the clubhouse? is not in the clubhouse. I don't care if he works for us and why. You know, Mike Puma wrote a little bit. I mean, this is going to be something that everyone's going to go under the hood and look about about the clubhouse. You know, Verlander's a diva. He doesn't like the analytics department for the Mets. Look, I haven't been impressed with the Mets analytics department either to be quite honest. So maybe there's something there. You know, who's the unnamed source? There's been a lot. The one thing I will say, an organization that, by and large, from a front office perspective, has not been leaking. And even last year, a clubhouse that did not leak. The leaks have started to come. First, with what we'll get into later, the commentary about Brett Beatty, number one. Now, some of the commentary about the Verlander-Scherzer relationship, which I don't think any of that had anything to do with their performance here. Look, Scherzer hanging sliders has nothing to do with the fact that he hates Verlander, if that's even true. Verlander and the analytics department, did that play into his performance? Well, you know, maybe he was looking for some things. Look, the Astros revived Verlander, who was on the way out in 2017 and made him into maybe a better version than he's ever been, even when he was in his prime. So I can understand his affinity for that organization. And, and, and there's got to be something to it because... It sounded like it was the only team he would go to when he waived his no trade clause. And inherently, when you create somewhat of a mercenary, put it together type of team, you know, the Betts are trying to do what the Florida Marlins did in 1997 you know, put these guys together to win a title while they were trying to compete and win while some of the farm system is coming up. There's always that fear that the Mercenaries come here, take the money, but aren't quite ready for what's in front of them. But toxicity had nothing to do with a a, a a shoulder issue for Valander at all. You know, that's age. You know, I don't think toxicity has Starling Marty at a crossroads in his career where he had a serious surgery in the offseason and probably needed the year to get better. Probably shouldn't have come back so soon. Probably pushed himself. And I'm not sure that's the reason why Jeff McNeil's hitting 250 or that Brandon Nimmo has regressed offensively. Or that Daniel Vogelback, you know, can't hit the side of the barn at times and shows no power. That Mark Canna was a lesser version of himself than he's ever been in his career. I don't think any of that has to do with that. There's all the walks from the pitching staff that have to do with toxicity. Did the closer blowing out his knee in a WBC match have something to do with toxicity? Drew Smith keeps giving up home runs. Don't think that has to do with toxicity. You know? I mean, the fact that the Mets pitching was thin in terms of depth, that's not toxicity. That's player development. To be honest with you. So, the real takeaway from everything this week when you talk about clubhouse, because I'm not going to get into that. This is going to be the rest of the year. People are going to try to flame stories because... It is August 13th, and if you're writing about baseball, you got another six freaking weeks of this to do your job. And I don't know anybody who wants to write about Danny Mendick giving up eight runs as a position player, relieving in the ninth inning, which drives me bananas that the league has basically turned into slow-pitch softball when t- games are out of control. I don't understand it. I don't understand why pitchers, and I understand there was a doubleheader, and the Mets are short on pitchers, but the fact that you can't get somebody in to get three outs other than a position player to lob softballs. Cubs did it when the Mets were ahead earlier in the week. Drives me bananas. It's just not acceptable. It's not a good look for the game. That's the part of the game that has morphed into amateur hour. You know, Mets didn't have a position player pitch until 1992. It was 30 years in the the league that it happens. Now it seems like every year they have somebody going out there and throwing some innings and blowouts. Drives me nuts. Sidebar and all that stuff. But, these are the kind of stories, stories about the fans with paper bags on their head, stories about, well, this is what went wrong, and that is what went wrong, and this guy's toxic, and that guy needs to be fired, and buck this, and Billy Epler that, and I promise you this, maybe some of this is going to come out in the wash, and we'll we'll hear something when the season is is over, but the bottom line is this, the Mets are in the position that they're in because they weren't good enough, and in particular, they were really bad during a tough stretch in June, I mean, really bad. 1962 Mets bad, 2023 Kansas City Royals bad, 2023 Oakland Athletics bad, bad. The Mets were just mediocre 500. We're not even talking about it. These might be meaningful games this weekend. And maybe Scherzer and Verlander are pitching, and maybe that lineup is more intact. And maybe the Atlanta Braves are, you know, certainly significantly ahead of the Mets because they already were. But I look at the wild card and the Marlins and the Phillies and the Giants, and the bar's not that high for the Mets to compete. They could have snuck back in this thing. But the odds were long, and the road was hard, and they had two 40-something pitchers that, quite honestly, Billy Epler said they're probably nearing six-inning, three-run type of guys more than they are the former versions of themselves. And if I could get a hole, I'm going to do it. And he did. We'll see what the Gilberts and the Cliffords and the Akunas come out to be. Early signs are positive, but one guy's smashing it up in, in single A, high A, Brooklyn. The other two are in double A, Binghamton. Uh, you know, a little bit of ways from City Field. Ask Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty. But ultimately, the real rub here is that this is a hard city to play in. And it's getting hotter. And the business model of media is to incite and inflame you and anger you. It's that way in politics. It's that way in sports.
0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. Twenty-one plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington D.C.
1: It's that way in weather. Do you understand? I I turn on the news and every frickin' rainstorm, it's the end of the world. I've never in my life experienced something like this. You would think that we have to take cover for every time a drop of rain comes down. Now, some of that has to do with different, you know, mediums of getting information now. The information that we didn't think about. You know, when I'm a kid, it rained. You know, you really didn't plan for it. It just, it happened because, you know, the weather was not as sophisticated. Now it's, everything is a crisis. The world, do you understand the world ends every friggin' day on Twitter something so why would the sports world be any different because it's how they've come to build their business model part of that is they don't pay enough to get good people out there so the days of the great writers from the 60s the 70s heck even the 80s the 90s you're not gonna get those people anymore nobody can live on those salaries nobody and then you got editors who are under pressure to produce clicks now on websites. So how do you do that? Drama. Worst team money can buy drama. I mean, I had to get off Twitter yesterday because to see members of the media spend their entire day at the ballpark making stupid jokes. It's just why am I wasting my time? Do you really think I'm going to spend my day? And look, there's a there's a segment. Look, I love barstool and the guys, but. And Frank the Tank's been on the show, but at some point that shtick gets old. That's one-dimensional. And do the Mets deserve scorn? Sure, they've been bad. I'm not sitting here saying everything's alright. But why don't we talk about maybe the plan here? You know, Ken Rosenthal wrote a good piece about maybe what the Mets' plans are in free agency. We'll get into that. I don't know if we'll have time today, but we'll get into that. There's a lot to that. But. Instead of talking about well, why is there a toxic clubhouse, why is this? Why don't we talk about the challenge that's in front of any team in this town? Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Brunson. I mean, I couldn't even name someone on the Islanders, the Rangers, but you guys probably can. Cross town, the Yankees. All of a sudden, Brian Cashman's not that frumpy old. Oh, look out! Look at the victim, Brian Cashman is. All of a sudden, there's some accountability there, huh? It's hard. Here's a team like the Yankees that should get pass after pass after pass, and has. But quite honestly, if you're a Yankees fan, and and you're old enough to have the 96 and beyond experience, do you have anything to be upset about, honestly? Do you really? In the rest of my lifetime, I don't know if I'll see five championships for the New York Mets. And I'm betting I won't. I'm hoping to see a couple, but I'm betting I won't. If I had five since 1996, I'd shut up. And look, the Mets are at a point where, they, and I've said this, and we talked about this with Mike Vaccaro, I've talked about this, and, and and maybe this is something that I'm overplaying, and I wouldn't be talking about this in at this level if they were in a, a some kind of race for something. But they're like 1940s Rangers level at this point. They are. You know, maybe not quite. You know, the Knicks are more like that than the Mats. But I mean, even look at the Rangers, who I can now, I, I, I was alive. I remember all my friends in high school. I can now die in peace. Their parents, the Rangers won a Stanley Cup in 1994. 1994 is a long time ago, it's almost 30 years. It's a long time ago. It seems like yesterday, I remember that spring like yesterday, Knicks and Rangers. And now I look up, it's 30 years later. 30 years goes by, bam. So I get it. But you know something? Whining and moaning and complaining and every time someone comes to this town, putting them through the beater ain't helping. I'm not saying you need to be St. Louis and give everybody a standing ovation. And I'm not going to expect more from the media. I'm not going to expect intelligence discourse, intelligent discourse from the media. They don't have it. Look, look at the analysis on the fan about baseball. Do any of them really put the time in that I do here? And by the way, this ain't my primary gig, by the way. This ain't paying my mortgage. This ain't even paying my car bill. It's a nice night out for dinner. Maybe it pays an electrical bill here and there. And I'm very appreciative of the fact that anybody would pay me a dime. And you know what? I wouldn't charge you for this product because I don't believe in a subscription service for this because I believe you deserve this for free. It's my responsibility to put ads on here through the company I partnered with, ads that I don't control, by the way, in case before you start complaining about what ads are on there. I don't control it. I partnered with the fan side of people just to cover overhead. Microphones and technology and, you know, maybe once in a while if I travel or buy something that's related to the show, that's what it pays for. I'm not getting rich here. So it's not my primary gig. But sports, dealing with one sport ain't hard. Dealing with many sports, it gets complicated. I did it for a little bit. It's hard but you have to be better. If your entire existence is hot take hot take hot take. I mean, and the and, and the thing I've said, and this is where it goes to the fan, you you're the customer. You have the power to change the channel. Right now, rather than listen to anything mainstream, do an audiobook. Listen to something that probably doesn't agitate you, cuz the world is not always ending. Not every opinion is right or wrong, left or right, up or down. That's what they want you to believe. So you know what's toxic? Probably not the Mets clubhouse. It's New York. It's the New York media. And by extension, it's the New York fan. And I think part of that is that there are people out there that are working hard. Their dollar's going a lot less. It's oh, this has been the case since the beginning of time. There's a lot of money out there on a the field and in, the pre- and in the owner's box, and it's really easy to be jealous and angry. But you know something, guys? This then be- does not become a healthy hobby. It doesn't. Because now, all the negativity that comes from your commute, from your job, from turning on the freaking news, now bleeds into the candy store. And when I was a kid, the candy store and sports was supposed to be an escape. Escape from reality. Two and a half hours of entertainment. That's why when teams go bad like the Mets have, it's probably better that you step away unless there's something that is interesting like a prospect being called up or you know a big event or maybe you enjoy seeing a player on the other team. But if you're going to spend the next six weeks absorbing, absorbing the trolling, being angered about the 4A lineups, which told you that was coming once they ripped the team apart, Told you. Then go find something else to do. I'll try to keep it better here. But quite honestly, the toxic is not the Mets clubhouse. It's us. And name me a team that goes bad, that everybody's singing kumbaya in that clubhouse basically the same team as a year ago for the most part. And I read the article by Puma, you know, Bassett in the clubhouse, but you know, are Tyler McGill and David Peterson, that fragile, that the absence of the coffee clutch they had with Taiwan Walker and, and, and Bassett and, uh, and Scherzer, that they, that they took nothing away from those conversations. Maybe Scherzer should have became the pitching coach. And look, there's a lot of speculation that Scherzer's is the league. Who knows? It could be Canna, it could be Fam, it could be Scherzer, it could be Verlander. I don't know who the media befriended. You know, maybe it's if it's somebody in that clubhouse, one of the things I would do if I had Billy Epler say, you know what, who's talking about Brett Beatty's development? Saying some pretty back-channel, deep-inside baseball information about him, if it's true, if it's not being lionized. So, I'm not here to talk about Toxic Mets Clubhouse. I don't believe a Toxic Mets Clubhouse unravel this season age injury underperformance lack of depth toxicity doesn't create any of that stuff i told you we're going into the season i didn't think they could win a division i thought they needed some work in there i thought they could play in the wild card because the bar is low because i figured they what did i say at the beginning the getting to know you phase that first 60 games might be rough but they're veterans they'll figure it out they didn't and June did them in. That Braves series in Atlanta did them in. You know, losing with Scherzer and Verlander in that series and blowing leads in a fabulously bad way, that that pretty much did their season in. They tried to put it into second gear after that, but wasn't going to happen. So that's my message about all this. Listen to people like salakata and Boomer Esiason, but understand what the problem is. The problem is you and me. Because at some point, we have to fairly assess what's in front of us. And there's a time for anger. And there's a time for understanding what's the situation. And the situation, quite honestly, is this team wasn't good enough. You could put any blame you want on anything. You want to believe it's Buck, it's toxic, it's this, it's that. That makes you feel better to be angry the rest of the year. The Mets aren't good enough. Their farm system wasn't deep enough. Their players were older. That team, I think Adam Adovino in that article hit it right on the head. They had their shot last year. There's a show. Go back and listen. Around this time last year, right after they took four out of five from the Braves, is this the Mets' best shot? I talked about it. And I had my gut told me that everything was coming together. And they didn't win. They lost to San Diego. They lost the division to Atlanta. Sometimes that happens. So now they retreat. We'll see what next year brings. Ken Rosenthal wrote a great article about perhaps the strategy that he understands to be, and we will have a chance to talk about that throughout the next couple of weeks. Because I have my thoughts. Might include putting together a super rotation with the Far East. Maybe all you know, three fifths: Otani, Yamamoto, and Singa—a Japanese rotation. Guys from another country who are coming here and you know taking on everything, including culture. Maybe that's what it'll take. You know, give Seng a lot of credit. I was the biggest skeptic of him. He came here, new country, new baseball, new food, away from home, doesn't speak the language. And he's the only one who seems like to be unaffected by all this BS and garbage. Had a pretty good year. Exceeded my expectations. Maybe one of the only ones on there. Maybe Tommy Pham was the other one. He's not even here anymore. And now he's having trouble seeing the baseball apparently out in Arizona. So he has a very serious eye issue and I feel for him on that. That's, That's unfortunate. So that's what I got to say about toxicity and clubhouse and chemistry. When I say you're the problem and I'm the problem, that's saying that we're causing things here, but we're not helping things. If you're always going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop, Charlie Brown, it's going to freaking drop. I've told you this. I saw the energy in that ballpark during the playoffs. It's the old, um, you know, rosary bead crowd. The Novena crowd, I call it. Praying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my... Well, guys, guess what? That energy, you don't want to believe it? Read a little bit of energy. That's going down on a field. That don't help matters. I almost rather than the Mets play 162 games on the road sometimes. I bet you they, they would be, do better. They really would. Because at least there they expect to the negativity. At home, it's almost like sometimes it's a road game. It's been like that for a while. Been like that for a while. In big spots. It ebbs and flows, but in big spots. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When I come back, Bet Beatty was sent down. Will we see him again this year? And what's the future for Bet Beatty? I got a lot of questions about that. You're listening to the Talking Bits Podcast. We'll be back with more right after this.